0: This is Out of Office for July 2016, 25 Reasons to Let Your Employees Work Out of Office.
1: Welcome to the Out of Office
0: podcast, where you'll learn how to work from virtually anywhere by using the internet for greater convenience, comfort, and freedom. Your hosts are Chris Pudney and Gihan Pereira. Hello, Chris. How are you? I'm really well, thanks, Gihan. How are you? I'm really well. You've had some time off over school holidays with Lauren, haven't you?
1: Yes, we went down south and uh, spent some time by the beach, and it being winter, we were the only people on the beach. We didn't venture into the water, but we did have the place to ourselves.
0: Yeah, and by coincidence, I'm down south as well at the moment, uh, down in Busselton, one of my favourite places, uh, home away from home, in a way, when I'm away from Perth, and just enjoying some time here, doing some planning, some writing, and even looking at investment properties.
1: Excellent. I think it's the place to be, isn't it?
0: I think so. I've been telling people that the southwest of Australia is the place to uh, to to live, to work, to invest in the next uh, 20 or 30 years, so I'm starting to believe my own hype.
1: That's right, you're going to start that trend yeah, exactly. no one else follows you.
0: Exactly. I'm going to make it come true even if I have to do it all by myself. Yes. <laughs> so today we're going to be talking about reasons to let your employees work out of office. So if you're a leader or a manager, um, you may have had as a, occasionally an employee coming up to you and saying, look, I'd like to work from home, part-time or maybe even full-time. And that's, that's okay, but now more and more uh, people are doing that and there's an increasing trend towards that and it's gone beyond just that occasional request because somebody wants it because of special circumstances it's becoming mainstream it's not yet mainstream but as a leader whether you're a business owner whether you're a senior leader senior leader in an organization or you're a team leader you should really be thinking about not having everybody just work in the same office because um, more and more that is not becoming the mainstream way of working so there are many reasons why you should let your knowledge workers work out of office so today we're going to talk about 25 of them
1: yeah, we're going to rattle them off in 25 minutes, Kihan. Yeah. So um, let's let's start with productivity. And there are several studies that show that when people work out of office, they're more productive than their in-office colleagues. And that's in spite of the, the misconception or the fear that people who work out of office are going to slack off because there's no one looking over their shoulder telling them what to do. But why is that? And, and one of the, the first reason is that people who work out of office don't have to commute to the office. And in Australia, on average, we spend 4.4 hours a week commuting to and from the office. That's whether it's on public transport or hopping in the car and having to find a parking space at the end of it. So that's almost an hour every day that the average Aussie office worker could otherwise spend doing productive work. And the other problem with commuting, and this is something I used to suffer from when I did it, was that commuting is just stressful. I hated it. And it means that you get to work and you're in a bad place. You're in a bad mood. You're angry. You're upset. And that's when it comes to productivity, that's not a good way to start the day. Yeah, you'd rather take
0: out your anger on your family at home, right?
1: <laughs> Indeed, which you do when you commute back home at the end of the day. <laughs> yes.
0: Okay, so the next reason is that you have fewer interruptions and distractions. And in an office, typically there's an expectation that you're always available, which means that colleagues colleagues. colleagues come up and interrupt you and distract you anytime you want to. Uh, When you're working out of office, that expectation is reversed, which means that people have to make an intentional decision to interrupt or distract you. And so that means that you do tend to be more productive because um, as an out-of-office worker, you can control your work environment to prevent those sort of interruptions and distractions. Um, Out-of-office workers can also create their own routines. Uh, Some people are early birds, some people are night owls, some people like to take siestas on hot days. And that means that there's less chance that they're going to be thrown off by other people interrupting and disrupting them. And also, uh, out-of-office workers have a lot more control over their own time, so they can chop and change as required. So if you need to look after a sick kid or pick up someone from the airport, you can still do that and still get your work done effectively because you're not answerable to anybody else in terms of how you spend every minute of your day.
1: Yeah, and something else that happens with out-of-office workers is that there's less absenteeism through things like sick days. So that's where I am today, actually. I hurt my back uh, yesterday, and there's no way I could drag myself into an office in the city um, with, uh, you know, with the the pain in my neck <laughs> that I have today. But I am going to work. I can stay at home and I can do work. I can, inter- uh, I can take breaks and stretch and get a back rub from Sheree if I need it. And that's what happens. They find that people who work out of office uh, they take less time off when they are sick, and that's because they they might not be too sick to go to work, but they can still work from home. And also, uh, if they've got something that's perhaps contagious. If they've got uh, a cold or a flu, they're not going to uh, come into work and infect their co-workers. They're going to stay home and continue working and the rest of the workforce are unaffected.
0: Yep, exactly. Exactly, and so following on from the productivity uh, idea, so we've talked about three things under productivity, and following on from that is the idea that you can actually improve your your workflows and your performance. So, uh, for example, meetings become more efficient because uh, virtual meetings do tend to be more efficient. People turn up on time, they get stuck into the work, they finish on time, and they leave. So, rather than hanging around afterwards or arriving and chatting at the start of the uh, at the start of the meeting, um, meetings tend to be quite efficient. I, in fact, I found this, um, I do tutor my partner Nikki's daughter Abby who's doing year 12 Maths at the moment and most of the time we do it in person Uh, I can sit with her and we can work through stuff but when I was traveling we did it by Skype and those those sessions even though they're long sessions like three hours at a time they were very efficient because Abby knew that we had the time set aside she had uh, her exercises ready the the questions that she was going to ask we were very efficient working through them and uh, that was actually more efficient than when we were working together in person
1: Yeah. And related to that, Gihan, is that collaboration is improved as well. So when you work in an office, if you want to collaborate with someone, you can just pop into their office and interrupt them and ask them to do something for you. They'll get it done, come back to you and stick their head over your cubicle, interrupt you and and let you know it's done. But you you can't do that when you're working remotely, when you've got a distributed team. And instead of doing the in-office approach, the laissez-faire approach, you can use collaboration tools. And in the... 50 or 10 20 years that we've been doing this gear and i think i was going to say there's going to be there's been an evolution of these tools but i reckon there's been a revolution mm. there's some fantastic tools available now that weren't available when we first started doing this at the turn of the century and the great thing about using these collaboration tools is that uh, they automate the workflows and systems and processes that you use that, that you use to collaborate and that also means that the knowledge and information is captured and documented in these tools and systems rather than it being held in an individual's brain and they might not be available or they might even leave your organisation taking that knowledge with them. And all those resources that you use to collaborate, they're made available on time, online, so they're available anytime and anywhere.
0: That's right. Another consequence of working out of office is that because people can't get together necessarily all the time for immediate communication, sometimes they have to use deferred communication. And that's a good thing. It's not, not always a bad thing. So you can't easily grab everybody for a meeting, uh, but the deferred communication does reduce the waste of time. So you've mentioned that already, Chris, that we have your knowledge captured and documented. You put more thought into your emails because you know that somebody has to read that later and respond. So maybe you have to be a bit more careful about what you ask, for and be specific about what you want Um, people can respond in their own time so you don't when, when people in an office say, okay, let's get together for a meeting, it's an interruption and not. you don't always have to do that. Sometimes it is essential, but often it's not. So people can respond in their own time if you send someone an email or you post something in a discussion forum um, and they can, they can make choices about what's important to them and their priorities. And when you do have to call a meeting, you can call them, uh, but you only call it when it's required and you plan for it better because you know that it's uh, more of an imposition on people's
1: time. Yeah, yep. Yeah. And you also have the potential to operate 24 hours a day or even seven days a week because you might be able to set up your workforce so that they span several time zones. And in that way, uh, when one group of your employees is asleep or off work, another group is working away. So you potentially offer a 24-hour service or at least have problems being worked on by one team and then being handed over to another team and it's being worked on 24 hours a day and gets gets resolved much quicker. And in some countries, some, some places or some time zones, uh, Friday is a day of rest and Sunday is a day of work. So you can even have that going on almost seven days a week. Yeah, great. Okay, so we talked about
0: some productivity improvements that you get from having people working out of office. Uh, but another re- really important part of talent management is actually having workers who are happy. And you do get happier, healthier workers when they're working out of office, uh, generally speaking. Um, so they are happier. The research shows that people are more likely to, to love their job when they work from home and it's probably not surprising because they're working in a familiar environment they're around their family they can um, organize their own time and they as a result they are happier and I said there's one piece of research that said you're 87 percent more likely to love your job if you work from home and that's I mean sounds good but it's a relative gain because um, you know the research showed that 24% of people who work in an office say they love their jobs and uh, 45% of telecommuting workers do. So it's, uh, so it's still not the case that everyone loves their jobs, but certainly more people do if they're working from home.
1: Yeah, that sounds excellent. Uh, and as well as being happy, Gihan, uh, they can they can be healthier because you've got that flexibility to incorporate things like regular exercise into your daily routine. If you're working in an office, you either have to exercise before or after work or maybe on your lunch break. But if you're working out of office, you've got that flexibility to to go to the gym at a time that suits you, maybe when the gym's less crowded with all those office workers. As well as that, you can eat healthier. So um, you can have home-cooked meals, obviously, sit down with a family member as I do and uh, eat in a familiar environment, even go to the shops and and purchase health healthy foods, rather than the limited choices that might be offered by your staff canteen or what's within easy reach of uh, your your actual office.
0: Yeah, and uh, you alluded to this earlier, Chris, that uh, people who work (laughs) from home uh, suffer less stress because uh, once they start telecommuting, again, people are less stressed uh, partly because, as you said, with the commuting, but also they're just working in a, in a familiar environment. Uh, they, they might even work harder and longer hours, and some of the research seems to show that. But because they're in a comfortable, familiar environment, they don't see it necessarily as going to work and putting in a hard day's work. They, they see that as part of the blending of their, their work and home life, and uh, therefore they're less stressed.
1: So that's having healthier, happier less stressed employees. but when it comes to um, recruiting your employees, you actually have a much larger talent pool to draw on because you're not restricted by location you're not uh with a with an office you have to find people who are within say twenty kilometers of the office or who are prepared to relocate there but if you're offering out of office work then the the entire world is your talent market you can literally find the best person in the world for that job because they can be anywhere. They don't have to be within 20Ks of your office.
0: Yep, exactly. And the other thing is that you suddenly open up, as you said, that the world is a talent market and you do open yourself up to these freelance talent markets. So your, your employees or your workers or your team members don't have to be the people who you have offered employment to as a full-time job because now – that now that you're open to the idea of out-of-office work, you can get highly skilled workers from all around the world to do individual project work for you. So they come into your team, they do a really great job at, at what they're really specialized at, and then they leave. And uh, you don't have to worry about uh, the, having them as uh, on an employment contract and making sure that you've got work for them all the time. You've got really low overheads and you find the right fit for the job at the time. And the, the people that you work with, it's not that you bring them in and then you discard them, you can work with them over and over again, but you only use them as you need them and they can work for any number of people whenever they want to.
1: Indeed, indeed. So you have this much larger talent pool to draw on. When it comes to the recruitment process itself, offering flexible work arrangements such as out-of-office work is a valuable perk. So one survey said that um, 70% of workers would rather telecommute than work in an office and an organisation called Global Workplace Analytics who focus on telecommuting, they suggest this number might even be as high as 80 to 90% of people preferring telecommuting over working in an office. So it's a really valuable way of attracting people to your organization um, another survey said that uh, found that employees would actually prefer to work out of office uh, rather than um, have a pay rise and some would in fact uh, in, endure a pay cut. To 10% if they were allowed to work from home. And that makes, that makes sense, right? It makes financial sense because you don't have to, say, pay for public transport or pay for parking if you're driving in or operate a vehicle. So you're probably going to save quite a lot of money just by virtue of the fact that you don't have to drive to and from work. And this kind of flies in the face of the the misconception that um, people think that if you're working out of office, you're going to feel isolated and alone. But the surveys show that the people themselves disagree with that idea altogether.
0: Yeah, and I agree. And even if you're willing to take a 10% pay cut, it doesn't necessarily only mean that you're saving 10% in expenses. I reckon people, more and more people now... Uh, are looking at that and saying, look, I don't mind earning 10% less if I can have a happier, healthier, stress-free work life. Absolutely. And, uh, and I think that's been driven a lot by the Gen Ys, the millennials. And so that's another big advantage of uh, allowing out-of-office works, uh, out of office work is that you do attract the Gen Ys. They're, they're more difficult to recruit. So uh, one survey said uh, I read said that uh, more than 50% of hiring managers say that they're the most difficult generation to recruit, but they're particularly attractive to flexible work arrangements. Uh, they not only um, like it, but they might even demand it. And, and they're more and more now, the older Gen Ys are moving into leadership positions. So they want that out-of-office flexibility. It's not just for the um, individual workers. It's also for leaders and managers. So they want to work for organisations where they can see that uh, as they progress in their career, they will still have that opportunity to be to, be work, uh, to do flexible work, especially out-of-office.
1: Yeah, so you're at a competitive disadvantage if it's something Mm. that you're not offering. So um, uh, the Australian Bureau of Statistics did a survey and they found that most large businesses have the facilities for staff to use the internet and work from home, that a third of micro-businesses are supporting out-of-office work and that more than 80% of um, small to medium enterprises uh, find that offering out-of-office work is a positive for their business. So if you're not offering it, your competitors are, and that puts you at a significant disadvantage when it comes to recruiting talent.
0: Yeah, it certainly does. So we've done 15, Chris, and we said we're going to do 25. So we've gone past the halfway point. You and I have both worked out of office for a long time, and we see all the benefits of it. And we're really trying to persuade um, other businesses. And if you're a leader and manager, just consider that uh, for yourself and for your employees as well. Um, So let's move on. So we've got 10 more to go. And let's look at the area of like, we've just talked about how to recruit talent, but let's look at retaining talent as well. Because one of the big advantages is if you're set up for out of office work, uh, you can keep your best people when their personal circumstances change. Uh, So things like babies come along, and people want to take uh, leave, or they want to work part time, and they need to care for family members, Uh, maybe they go through uh, marriage or divorce. And uh, both of those are reasons why people might want to work um, out of office. So in this sort of way you, you allow that flexible work they might want to work um, you know, reduce their working hours they might want to increase their working hours because they need more money um, and they want to have more flexible working hours so when their personal circumstances change they don't want to have to keep coming back to you and uh, um, cap in hand asking for changes to their 9 to 5 uh, Monday to Friday work environment in the office uh, if they can work out of office and you give them control over that they're more likely to stay with you rather than to go somewhere else.
1: Indeed. And one of those changes is that people might move. And that's exactly uh, the circumstance that brought me to out-of-office work. So we were on a working holiday in the UK. I had a regular office job. And at the end of our time there, I approached my boss and I said, look, we're returning to Perth, but I'd like to retain my job. And so he said, well, let's uh, let's give it a go. Let's experiment for six months with you working remotely for us. And uh, that was in 2,000 years. So 16 years later, that six-month experiment has turned into an out-of-office career so when people relocate you can retain them Um, and it might not just be that they're relocating they might actually want to be take up the digital nomad lifestyle where they travel and work so they're not just moving to another location they're moving through many many locations so you can keep that talent uh, regardless of how or where they move
0: yeah, exactly right, Chris. And the, the other thing is that you can be proactive about it. You can help them move. Not that you maybe want to get rid of them, but <laughs> but sometimes they outgrow your team and they want other career opportunities. They want um, other ways to move and you may not be able to provide that within your team or within your office, but you can help them explore other opportunities within your organisation, especially if it is a, um, an, um, an organisation which is global or even with branches elsewhere. Uh, it doesn't have to be global, but with lots of branches, You can give them opportunities for secondments You can give them opportunities for travel And you can keep them in the team And help them grow at the same time So it definitely is a win-win
1: Indeed, indeed. And you mentioned Gen Ys earlier, Girhan, that um, hiring managers report them, report them to be difficult to recruit. Well, it's even harder to retain them. And as you mentioned previously, flexible work arrangements like working out of office is something that is important to Gen Ys. They're the generation who knows what they want out of work in particular. And one of those things is out of office work. So if that's something that you can offer, that's a great way of retaining your Gen Y talent.
0: Yeah, exactly. And at the other end of the demographic scale, you have the the boomers and the retirees, um, who you can keep as well, and you can keep their wisdom, their insights, and their experience, rather than just than them just retiring. You can allow them the flexible opportunity to work work in your organisation. Uh, one survey said that seventy five percent of retirees want to continue to work, but. They also want the flexibility to enjoy their retirement, which is actually the way that life should be all the way, uh, all the way through their life, not just at retirement. Uh, And so if they had the opportunity to work part-time, out of office, then they would do that. My dad's a perfect example of that. In the last six months, he's just started a, a new career as a proofreader. So he's put his name up on talent markets. I'm giving him some work with the work that I'm doing helping authors, helping experts become authors. And so he's doing proofreading part time um, at his own pace when he wants to. Um, out of office, so he does it from his from his study at home, and he can still apply that the the skills that he's that he's acquired rather than just working in retirement. And he still enjoys his retirement, but he has the opportunity to work as well.
1: Excellent. So we've talked a lot about um, people and workers so far, Kihan, but let's focus on financials and costs. So. If you're offering out-of-office work, then you need less office and therefore the costs associated with offices, so the capital costs of having a building and park and all of the infrastructure that entails, those costs are significantly reduced. And that's the capital cost. The expenses associated with operating an office are also reduced. So utilities and your rates and rents and taxes, cleaning, management and logistics, all of those things that go along with operating an office, those costs are reduced if you can reduce your needs for an office. And the handy people at uh, Global Workplace Analytics, they've got an online calculator where you can estimate those savings. Based on uh, the workforce that um, that you are going to allow to work out of office.
0: Yeah, great. And, and in addition to those, there are some other um, HR costs, if you like, like looking after the people. Um, just simple things like office supplies and equipment, so you don't have to mm. pay for paper clips and staplers. If you do have paper in your office anymore, you don't have to pay for food in the canteen. Um, there are some other. Your occupational health and safety responsibilities that you don't have to worry about. So you let the employees look after that themselves. Um, similarly with the insurance and setting up their workspaces. So all of those costs can add up. And uh, I don't think they are necessarily are the major factor in considering whether you're going to allow people to work out of office or not, but they are a factor to consider.
1: Mm, And, well, it's a bonus, isn't it, Gihan, if costs can be reduced. So people often take a hard-nosed financial look at these things, and it's good to be able to demonstrate that out-of-office reduces those costs as opposed to increasing them.
0: Yep, exactly right. Exactly right. So we looked at 22 reasons why you should allow your employees to work out-of-office. The last three are looking at just becoming an organisation that's fit for the future, because allowing your Um, employees to work out of office does make you more future-proof and for example the Institute of the Future has identified these 10 key skills of the future for all organizations and all people and the trend towards out of office work is a natural fit for some of them Um, for example people become more cross-culturally competent they work with people from different cultures and that's a key skill for the future Um, they become better at virtual collaboration so rather So being able to work effectively when you don't have people sitting next to you, um, belly to belly, and you can look them in the eye, uh, you have to look them in the virtual eye. And uh, that's a really important skill as well. Um, They have this thing called cognitive load management, which is just a fancy way of saying information overload and productivity. So you've got to be kind of good at that. And uh, being able to do that in a digital world, in a virtual world, is a really valuable skill. Um, And a design mindset. So the ability to create systems and processes to make people and things work together effectively is another one of those key skills for the future, and that's much more important in an out-of-office environment. So that's just a handful of the the skills for the future that you are building for yourself and your team when you allow out-of-office work.
1: Yeah, and and so by allowing any kind of of out-of-office work, then you're preparing yourself for other types of distributed virtual out-of-office work that come along in the future. And so because your systems and processes have been set up to support out-of-office work, so you're using things like the cloud and VPNs, you've got systems and resources that are online, and you've got these collaboration tools that I mentioned earlier, then when new opportunities for virtual and distributed out-of-office work come along, then you're able to adapt to, to those and to pick them up as well and also culturally you don't have that out of sight out of mind mindset you've already um, have ways of working and systems that uh, allow you to accommodate people who are working remotely
0: okay so we've done 24 reasons chris and uh, i reckon if, you, if you're not persuaded by any of the 24 that we've talked about already well we've probably not done a very good job but the, think about it for yourself as well uh, you become a better leader By allowing out-of-office work. Um, And uh, you become a better leader, not of of out-of-office work in general, uh, specifically, but you become a better leader in general because you start managing by results, not by effort. So you don't have to um, constantly be looking over people's shoulders to see whether they're doing work. You manage them by their results. And that's a better leadership skill. Uh, You yourself become more cross-culturally competent. I mean, we live in a very multicultural country like Australia and so we do have multicultural teams but it is quite different when you're dealing with those uh, people from different countries and cultures when they're actually living and working in their own culture. Um, You become better at virtual collaboration which is going to be more valuable to you uh, whether or not you have out-of-office workers because you might be traveling, you might be um, working with colleagues uh, in other countries, you might be dealing with customers and suppliers elsewhere as well Um, and in general you just become exposed to more diverse ideas and cultures which is much better in an increasingly globalized world. So those are 25 reasons why you should
1: allow your employees to work out of office yes i think i think yeah, we've made a pretty strong case <laughs> i think yes. people wouldn't remain unconvinced at the end of that and that's why i think it's important to get out of the mindset of thinking of out of office work as a perk or a benefit or some some special circumstance it really these days it needs to become a strategic offering to your workforce it needs to be part of the fibre of your organisation uh, i'm still i'm still a little taken aback when people say that there are organisations out there who don't offer it as a standard way of working. We've listed 25 reasons why it's so important that it improves productivity and performance and the competitiveness of your organizations. your workers are healthier and happier, costs are lowered, you're going to become fit for the future, um, and you've got a global talent pool that helps you retain and recruit that talent. So. Uh, I'm not sure what more can be said, Gihan. What can you add?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, no, that that is really well said, Chris. So um, we've referred to a number of uh, resources and, and reports and we'll have them uh, in the blog post that accompanies this episode of the podcast. So if you go to outofofficebook.com, you can, uh, you can go to those resources and find out more about it. Uh, and we'd love to hear your input as well and your feedback. So if you'd like to leave comments, again, go to outofofficebook.com.
1: Thanks, Gihan. That was excellent. And uh, we'll have another episode in about a month's time. Speak to you then. Great. Thanks, Chris. Bye for now.
0: Visit our website at outofofficebook.com where you can read all our show notes, subscribe to the podcast and get our book out of office. We wish you all the best in creating the work style of your choice.